from the trenches. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to From the Trenches, real life in the accounting industry. My name is David Boyer from Change GPS. Joined with me in his form-fitting freedom mentoring t-shirt is Paul Meisner. Welcome back. Oh, hang on. Who are we brought to? BGL, Australia's number one corporate compliance and superannuation software and the outsourced accountant, taking care of all of your global resourcing needs. Paul where are we? Thank you very much, David. Hello, listeners. Hello, all. We are coming to you from the Melbourne uh, edition of the Zero Road Show. Apologies for the background noise if there is some. Uh, David, you are looking wonderful in a suit. You you're the only one at an accounting road show in a suit. Thanks, darling. Feel very. <laughs> I didn't say you were looking. And you forgot your pin. I know. And it's just, you have to do you feel up. naked without the pin? I do. I like the pin. You know, I started, I started Twitter hashtag, hashtag the pin is in. Uh, but I left it at home. I'm not a morning person, Paul, and you have to get up pretty early when you're exhibiting at these things. Well, I do because I like to be here, be organised. I'm, I'm not a lazy salesman, Paul. I'm on my toes. <laughs> you are uh, selling. Always be. You got a demo from me this week for Change GPS. Well, look up, uh, and and there was there was absolutely no other place to put it, David, than worst on ground. So we'll get to that. Uh, we will get to that at the end. I'll critique. You know, Your what? demo. I, I, I you know needed to be a bit more ready, I think. There are a lot of people who view it as a as a good thing when they make it in worst on ground. I don't think there is any chance at all that me demoing you was ever going to make best on ground. <laughs> I am very hard and even harder on you. But, David, uh, what do we got? Uh, let's off with best on ground. From the trenches. Best on ground, an article from Christopher Argent out of the United Kingdom. Uh, Chris runs Generation CFO, certainly one of the real innovators in, in the changes happening in the CFO landscape. He's featured on Best on Ground before. This is part two to the original article where he said automation was fake news for accountants. In this article, he touches on both accountants in industry and accountants in practice. And he's got an idea in here. There's one part of this you're going to hate. He's got an idea that I think is a really good one, where he talks about adopting new skills and changing as a way to reduce the risk of your current skill set becoming redundant. This is just an interesting idea. So what his suggestion is that right now, a normal accountant or an auditor, let's just say you're a 94% risk of automation. Now, this is not a partner in a Which is incorrect, firm. but... No, it's not. If you're, if, you're, if you're in a big team, if you're, in, if you're at the low level of a big team and you're in the data entry side, it's not necessarily incorrect. Right. So he's talking about this. He's talking about you know, the parts of the job that are at automation risk. So not... Again, I'll say it again, just so make it, I'll say it again, Ball. This is not for a partner in an accounting firm. Gotcha. Now he says, let's just say you're at 94% risk of automation. Now, if you add some financial management or analysis work in, you're now, uh, that's only got a 13% risk of automation according to some study. That you now, if you combine these together, let's just say you, oper- you put in some operations specialist work. Let's just say you multiply all of these skills together. You're now down to a 3% risk of automation. It's an interesting way to think about why you should bother learning a new skill. It's just risk management to keep employable and keep you up to date with the skills of the future. And I like the idea. I like the the way to think about change, Paul, because change can be scary. It's hard to find the burning reason. But if you're an employee, a career employee, as the the gentleman bangs next to us cleaning up spilled coffee cups, uh, it's a it's a way to think about your career and getting yourself ready for the next twenty years, mate. Uh, look, fine. Uh, I think the automation redundancy risk is obviously fake news. I, I still, David, well and truly, and, and I've taken you through the research I did on compliance advisory and that kind of stuff. I think calling 
the bit I have a problem with is calling tax preparers 99% risk of automation is just plainly wrong. So I will uh, certainly contest that. But I get, but I get, the, it's literally a hypothetical. But I get the theory. Like you read this, no, it's I get hypothetical. It. But yes, 80% of all stats are made up. Uh, David, my best on ground. I'm, in the, I'm excited. I'm excited. I wanted, I wanted to lead with it, but you were in the uh, in the turn from the trenches. Excel. <laughs> XL. They've XL. done it again, have they? XL what a surprise. Come I think they've got about 30,000 developers working on it. Every now and again, something comes out of it. XL very good. has come to the party. Hold on to your nerdy XL hats. Open a fresh uh, white tab of XL. And what should you type in, Paul? Equals. Type uh, equals X lookup. Not V lookup, David. No, no, no. Not H lookup. Not H. Not V. We go to not X. Not H nested in V. We go to A. <laughs> if functions. No, if functions. X lookup. Let's talk about X lookup because this is amazing. So, effectively, it looks up a, whatever you want. So, you look up a word or a table, uh, uh, something in a cell in one list of data and then it will deliver you the corresponding uh, level of data, David. This is both ways. Anywhere in the chart, anywhere, not just the column, anywhere, the column or the row. Anywhere. anywhere. This is this is a game changer because this is what we wasted a whole lot of time doing. We just want to go and find. This is amazing, amazing, I, I, amazing. I love I, it. Probably Excel, I, Viva I used, Excel. I used to do like because I was I was never I never really understood actual cup as much. So I actually found it easier to change the table and change the raw data so I could keep doing VLOOKUPs. XLOOKUPs lets you do both. But joining us, he's just walked by, Ron Leish, founder of the fifth most innovative company in Australia, according to the AFR, BGL. G'day, Ron. Good morning, David. Good morning, Paul. What's happening in your world, Ron, at the roadshow again? BGL's been very busy, this roadshow. Yeah, the roadshows have been great. Um, the numbers at the Zero Roadshows have been really good and we're going going to all of them around the country. So uh, our guys are picking up lots of uh, lots of new leads, speaking to lots of people, speaking to lots of clients. It's uh, been good for us. You were hands down in the morning session at Sydney. BGL was the busiest by far, in, in my opinion. I was standing next to them. Nobody was talking to me, but you seemed quite busy. <laughs> what happens, because BGL is interesting because you have so many clients already after 30 years. How much of this is about new business and how much of it's just saying good day to people who pay for your product already? Look, the, the vast majority is talking to existing clients and I think the probably the majority of people who I spoke to this morning were existing clients, at least half. Um, but for us, it's, a, it's an opportunity to get out there, to talk to people, talk to potential new clients, talk to existing clients, explain how our Xero integration works and what we're doing with Xero because all of that's... Uh, you know, part of part of the value proposition that we think we can bring to account. Uh, let's can we do a little feature plug, Paul? Now we're uh, in a minute. Now we are getting Ron on for his a standalone episode. So when are we booking that in? We we have to. We're gonna I, lock I, you to a date. I'm told that that's uh, going to be sometime either in April or May. Perfect is, is what I'm what I'm told. I need to look at my diary. Uh, before you do a feature plug, just give, give us your view on the ASIC. We have covered it in our show. ASIC came and defended their fact sheet on the cost of SMSF. Anyone who's kind of done an SMSF figured that those uh, the costs that they were running with were ridiculously high. What, what's your take on them vigorously defending it? Well, look, I, I find it interesting that they're vigorously de- defending something that is indefensible. Um, we, we've been we, we were we had a meeting with the ATO before. Christmas, we were given the basics, the basic 
data that they did all their calculations on. We were explained how they did their calculations on. And we found that included in that figure of 13.9 is things like overseas interest and interest on uh, uh, um, Australian interest and uh, uh, insurance po- insurance uh, policies and, and, and some category called other that nobody knows and forestry that we that we don't have a client that has I was a, a big I was a big fan of the other category items back when I was an accountant Paul a lot exactly all right no that's but, that is but, good but the end result is if you actually break it down to what the real costs of running an SMSF are on average across everything it's around two and a half grand some of the uh, the percentages vary depending on who your administrator is and how the work's being done but it goes anywhere from a small fund from maybe one percent two percent up to a larger fund where they're paying a quarter of percent half a percent are you suggesting that ASIC maybe has an anti-SMSF SMSF slant, Ron? Yes. <laughs> um, the industry I, I, behind it certainly does, I, like I the th- big super funds I, do. Yes, I think there are some, a lot of people, that, or a number of people at ASIC that are not fans of SMSFs. And, and I think part of the reason for that is their shadow shopping that they do every year finds that the advice being given to people setting up SMSFs is often very poor. Well, it's a reflection on uh, listeners out there. That could be you that, that Ron's talking about there. We've got to lift our game a little bit. Paul, we thought it would be nice to do it uh, out here in the expo hall, get a bit of background noise, but it sounds like all the activity is happening right next to where we're recording. It does. There's no attendees here, but that is when the, the work gets done to reset all the tables. Hello. But we will push I'm on. I'm David. How are you? But this is will, nice. But we, will push, but we will push on. David, uh, <laughs> best on ground for me yeah, from the trenches. Is Thanks, Ron. The, thanks, Rod. The AFR uh, have claimed that there was a latest court case. This is a really interesting. Um, a taxpayer has gone to the federal court to argue that his house, I presume, or some some sheds uh, and some he was using uh, part of his uh, his pro- property for his business. He had some. Uh, equipment there. He had some pavers, some bricks, wheelbarrows, and he did some work. Basically, the court said this didn't have enough of a connection to be an, a- an active asset. For people out there, without going into the full details of this case, actually falling asleep. One thing that was really interesting to me, and I always look for the other side oh of the story, God. David. I'm such a contrarian. I've been on the what? other. I've been on the <laughs> other side where, where I've had discussions around the main residence. So obviously active asset test gets you a 50% deduction, whereas the main residence exemption gets you a 100% deduction. I Welcome think, to the Master Tax Guide I podcast, think that, ladies I and gentlemen. Think that by, listen, I think that by having a tighter definition of what is an active asset actually means there is a looser definition of what is main residence. So I actually say that this okay. is a this is a <laughs> win. This get, is a, I get the logic. This is a win for people who have used their house as a home office or as the court is basically saying there has to be a real connection to your business. This can't just be that it was a slight business premises. I reckon this is a win for people who don't who have in the past thought they might lose their main residence exemption. I reckon this is a good thing, David. All right. Tax lesson. 101, put that in your tax planning demo. If uh, you don't listen to trenches to get tax updates, let us know. Someone just said CPE, CPD, CP, whatever you call it, tax technical. I actually said we don't cover tax technical, but we do tackle tax technical. David, what do you got? My best on ground. 
from the trenches. Uh, Practice Ignition is running its Women's in Accounting Top 50 Award again. And I'm going to have a very elephant-in-the-room conversation about this. It's received a bit of cynicism online from people, and I get why. And offline. And offline as well. Um, what it aims to do is celebrate women's contributions to the accounting world. Um, and, and a lot of people sort of saying, well, you know, this is, you're just in this for PI. And I'm going to share two stories. It, it, it can look like that. There is a challenge for corporates trying to do, and PI is a, a corporate, big corporate. This is no different with bushfire, you know, with sponsorship it's, it's, and bushfires so and yeah, the response to charity. Any, any, any big organisation trying to get involved in a social cause, it's very easy to look at it and say it's all about you and it's all about promoting you. And because this particular award was launched with a lot of fanfare from Trent McLaren when he was in Australia, who is a marketer and is involved in sales and is the face of it, this can look like a marketing thing. The problem is, and to the people and the naysayers, I say just be very careful because this is doing a lot of good. And I'm going to share a story. Uh, Rebecca Mahalik shared it with me yesterday. It was a letter that her daughter wrote for a 12-year-old daughter wrote for a school assignment on who her hero is and, and, and it's her mum. I read this letter and, and at the Zero Roadshow in Nariwaran yesterday, Paul, I had tears in my eyes. And Beck turned to me and said... The only reason I do all the stuff that I do is because of the confidence I got when I won the Women in Accounting Award. I was nominated for it and the recognition. You don't realise how hard it is sometimes as a female trying to, to validate yourself and, and stand out. And it's true, Paul. We, we don't, I don't get it. I fundamentally can't possibly understand it other than listen to the stories. So I, I hope that, the, that, that this thing, this Women in Accounting, sheds its this-is-a-marketing-tool angle and does more good like the story that I heard from Beck yesterday. Absolutely. I think uh, is the more it empowers, the more it empowers uh, women and encourages them, um, you know, you, it's, it's a pity that they, they need something like that to, to be to be encouraged. It is a pity, um, but, but, but if, it, it seems that it, there needs to be a need for it. There'll be a link in the show notes to nominate someone that you want uh, if you think somebody's deserving of the award, Paul. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I've got more best on ground. Should go for flying? it. Go. From the trenches. Um, Accounting Web over in the UK, or US, Accounting Web US, has offered what I think is the greatest current snapshot of the race to win your spend on payments apps. Uh, it talks about, um, you know, Last year, in, particularly in Australia, everybody thought when HubDoc pricing was reduced and kind of given away for free with zero was the end of Receipt Bank. Receipt Bank responded by raising $73 million. This is a high-stakes game, Paul. This article, I think, is the best snapshot of what's needed. The reality is Receipt Bank is still a key partner in the Zero ecosystem. Zero is sponsoring Receipt Bank Exchange in Sydney because of that connection, that relationship. A lot of the early diehard zeros... Um, zero users, the True Blues from back in the day, jumped on Receipt Bank because that's what was around back then and it's still heavily integrated. We're going to be doing a bit there. We're doing From the Trenches Live at Receipt Bank. We Exchange. are live and unplugged. Well, yeah, live and unplugged. Oh, yeah, it is live and unplugged. And not recorded. So we're going to be a little bit more unfiltered. You've got to get there to hear those. Um, but the way, really, the way this Receipt Bank, it's, it's a really it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating story. Like, and it's like it'll market be one- forces. You know, this is amazing. They're going to do a Business Wars podcast on this. I hope you listen to Business Wars podcast. No, I, I love it. They've yeah. got a great one out on WeWork. Um, and they sort of break up, you know, how businesses compete with each other. Um, what the, the headlines that they're sort of sorting things by, Feature Wars, Evolving Data Landscape. you got to remember, Seabank's been for a long time. They have a ton of data. Zero's got more, but they have a ton of data. Um, and I just think this article is a great snapshot. If you're interested and in, in maybe you're at that stage where you're, 
you've been on Receipt Bank, you're looking at going to HubDoc, or if you're on a HubDoc and you're looking at Receipt Bank features, an article worth reading. Um, another interesting thing, and another accountant called Connect, Konak Accountants over in New Zealand is trialling the four-day work week. Connected accountants? Connected accountants, so thanks. Konak. No, I was reading, I was looking at the domain name, which is konak.nz. Ah, gotcha. Yes, gotcha. Connected accountants, yes. Uh, what are they doing? They're running a four-day work week. They're a zero patent partner, so obviously a decent-sized firm, Paul. Uh, they talk about the reasons why they're doing it, which are exactly what you'll, uh, you'd expect for trialling something like this. I reckon the one to watch here is when they, they sort of, they'll stop doing this because they'll find out that fundamentally I don't think it works that well as a system, but they're going to have a lot of unexpected benefits that are going to come out of this as they set up the sandwich table next to us. They're going to have a lot of unexpected benefits that come out of this. It's going to have an impact on culture. It's going to have an impact on work ethic. Watch this space. This is one to follow, Paul, as we talk about wellness in the workplace in the For, 2020s. I have a two and a half day work week, David, uh, mostly in my firm. Um, ish. But I'm too busy. I can't do anything. Yeah, I'm so busy. In the right, in the right. I'm going to get my handicap down mm-hmm. from 36 to 35. What is your I'm handicap? I'm going for 19, then I get new clubs. That's my, that's my goal. Anyway, don't get me started on golf, otherwise... What's, what's, otherwise. The, what's the top handicap? 36, and I'm on 34. I think I've got to submit... Anyway, let's I not talk... There's not a golf. There's not a golf. No, but I thought you... I think everybody I thought you were I good at golf. I don't put any cards in. I said don't get me started. Anyway, <laughs> I, I admire the transparency. I admire the transparency on this accounting firm talking to their clients about it, and the first line is making sure that the, the clients don't think the service dropped. I think I think yeah, it's, a, it's I think it's a great way to do it. I think the it'll be interesting to see how the clients like it, but also how the staff like it. Worst on ground. Worst on ground. From the trenches. Uh, Stephen Lenny over in South Australia. Oh, oh Stephen. <laughs> so, so we both a shared this. what of the of the accounting industry. Uh, You're going, Steve. Steve's very oh, impressed that you can get a QR code for your uh, your calendar link through Calendly, and he suggested how cool is this? You can put your QR code on your business card. QR, co- QR codes are older than my firm. So how's this, Paul? When did Five Ways first put QR codes on their business card? Seven, eight years ago. I put a QR code that went to my LinkedIn page when I was doing some international stuff uh, eight years ago. Uh, it, it, it does look. It does seem but a here's little the bit. Best bit. Did it work? No, nah. it does seem a little bit late it. to the party, <laughs> but on two counts, uh, in a way. One, who has business cards anymore? No, uh, no. Uh, you know what? I've learned. I've been on the road show. I've spoken to literally 250 accountants. I reckon maybe 15% asked me for a business card. So 15%. There, there you go. go. All right. But that's not, certainly it's that's not, not a lot. No. Uh, the QR code on my business card, David, I, when you sent me this for the pregame, I actually went, oh, I've got a QR code. I had no idea where it went. It goes to the app store where our app is no longer available on the app store. So the QR <laughs> code on my business card is broken. Well, that is fire, how so. much either I or people but the, uh, There's an interesting thing it. as well is, honestly, like if you, you block out you know, on that diary, you'd block out time to take meetings. You know, you hand, if you hand out a lot of business cards, you don't know who's booking you in. You're not. Uh, I like a little bit more control over my diary. It's an interesting experience for me now, Paul, because my, my I've got a meeting code that's out there uh, through HubSpot's meeting app for people to book in demos, and I just get these emails. You've been booked in by, and and I must admit, I'm really adjusting to not having control of setting meetings, but. That's, that's the role that I'm doing now. And I just block out time where I know what's going to happen. But Mine, I usually book me, you book me.com. Uh, and I've, I've, There's lots of free ones out there. I've enjoyed it. free mostly. Yeah, no, I've liked it. Um, From the trenches. West on ground for me, this is an interesting one coming out of uh, 
The Sydney firm PKF bought by BDO after this all happened, uh, $8 million in tax avoidance by one of their partners. Uh, An interesting use of trust structures here. Uh, The charges included knowingly lodging nine, nine false income tax returns on behalf of the client and concealing, destroying, and knowingly providing forged evidence in response to a tax office Audit. Oh wow! I was quite though, but that uh, was a quote from it's like the a scene article. Out of that War Dogs movie. That is that's that's excessive. Like that that is that is just a lot of. Surely uh, that's a that's a rogue partner. I don't think at a firm this size that's common practice. No, look, I, I think this is um, I, I think this is really interesting for me in in, in two points is. Should there be in firms like that, like how is there oversight or is there any oversight? Clearly there's not. You know, each partner, I suppose, are in well, you're charge the, you're the of partner, their though, own. You? Like, that's the point of being a partner? Yeah, that you have the autonomy. I think that is that is really interesting. It's, it's you know, coming, coming from that level of firm, I suppose you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't expect it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's just big. <laughs> That's just uh, big and bad. Uh, what else you got? From the trenches. Uh, really great article. I, some great content out, coming out of the outsourced accountant, actually. We've just put it up on Twitter. Compliance not dead. Compliance not dead. The 2020 Surprising trends report. That, you know, like facts matter. What a still. surprise. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, but the interesting 2020 trends report they've got. An article that they've put up on their blog is that offshoring, they're dealing with probably one of the biggest uh, objections they get that, in my experience, has a coveted racism element to it that uh, offshoring is going to take Aussie jobs. Now, I'm just going to, the article talks about it, it's got a bit of data in it and it talks about the major trend as to why it won't happen, pricing pressure, the talent crisis. And it's interesting they're calling it a talent crisis, Paul. Are we at a talent crisis? You know? I think so. We're very low employment and I've just been through the recruitment process. I've mentioned that on the show. It's just shocking. Capacity crunch and intense competition are the major trends they talk about in this. So at the Data Analyst and Data Visualization Workshop for CA that I was at last year, I was talking about offshoring. It just came up in conversation um, and a comment was made, I don't like that we're taking Aussie jobs out of Australia. And this is a big firm. They got about 60 staff. And I said, have you hired recently? You've had a job at it? He said, yes. And, and, and what did you think of the candidates that you got back? He goes, yeah, they were terrible. I said, so what jobs? What jobs? Yeah, it certainly isn't. It's taking... Um, An interesting angle on this. I met with CPA yesterday, Paul, because I've been doing a lot of how'd work... How'd that go for you? I've been doing a lot of work on trying to get a industry-led event off the ground following the, the famous Twitter feed from last year. Yep. We'll have some news on this soon. And something interesting that came out was that there is not an easy way for suburban firms, so your, your stock standard accountant, to access university talent. And yeah. the implication was there are candidates being produced that just you know, firms can't access them or they don't. And I, and I actually think it's that they don't know how because with social media, you can access them. It's just you don't know how. There's a new way to recruit. It's not just about putting job ads up on Seek anymore. That's probably an in-depth topic, Paul. Yeah, when I was involved in uh, CA a bit, we we covered that on whether or not there would be uh, able to access that. Um, interesting. Oh God, we, do we love do we love it when Big Four make decisions and just they just they, do they have no. I just think they have no um, sense of of how things work. They just make if, decisions. If we had a research team, we could do a whole podcast series on dumping it is, Big Four. Dumps. It is great. KPMG partners. Exclusive breakfast service. Um, 
you know, that there is as if the big four partners aren't sort of modicoddled uh, enough. They, the firm, presumably, so these decisions presumably are made at partner level. So presumably, um, they've they've voted to give themselves this. Uh, the the chairman has revealed in an email to partners that a free, light and hearty and healthy self-service breakfast on the partners lounge at level 26 in recognition that we are all busy getting to work, families, school, etc. Uh, they get free yogurt, mixed cereals, etc. Um, some really interesting comments on social media from uh staff members at KPMG saying that uh, some of their recent emails have been, uh, please keep the kitchen clean and drink less milk because you're going through it a bit quickly. So while the, so while the, the, part, top, while the busy yeah. partners who are, you know, uh, potentially overpaid and paid well after their service ends, now they're getting breakfast in their own snooty little lounge. So I think that, How good is that for staff morale? I think in terms of corporate perks, you've got like Qantas bronze, Qantas silver, Qantas gold, Qantas, whatever Ron Lesh has, because he flies in absolute luxury. And then the KPMG Partner Lounge. That is the hierarchy. And then you get to retire, Paul, and you get, what do they get? Like 140 grand a year for retiring? Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, for every, like every year. Anyway. It's, it's actually almost worth surviving these ridiculous cultures. Actually, I wouldn't have survived. It's just, it, I think it's you just, it's just interesting as a, uh, as a staff member of KPMG, that would be interesting. From the trenches. Last, a uh, little wor- worst on ground for me. So, David, you finally got Arguably the- best on ground. No, worst. Uh, your demo skills, David. So you finally, you had told me that you weren't ready. You hadn't trained enough for a demo. I was scared. Well, no, fair, enough really honest, fair enough. Fair enough. Absolutely not- on spilkers, to quote a Yiddish word. <laughs> Yiddish. working on eggshells. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, uh, so you'd, you'd geared up and, and you bought what you thought were your best accounting jokes. Uh, and look, you, you tried. It was it was oh, good. I think it was, it was is, interesting. This, this isn't like sport at high school where I just got good try medals. I don't want try. I it was fun. we had a conversation about it. and I will share it with the, the listeners that one of the products is a tax planning, and and you'd you'd chosen brevity of a demo over actual. So you have the attention span of I'm trying. To, what's got the lo- a goldfish? But I was asking for a more detailed demo because I was actually asking for something. You were rushed out. I was rushing out. But uh, anyway, David, no, I think I think you've you've embraced the software selling selling uh, methodology quite well. What do you think? think? So Tax Plan Plus, I thought you'd love it because all it is is compliance advisory. It's accounts getting paid for doing the tax planning they're already doing. I think I said this to you. It's it's a good way to explain the work that we otherwise. Yeah. Are, are already doing so that was interesting you claimed a sale very quickly despite me sell it, saying to you i wasn't uh i wasn't necessarily 100 sold i said i would like i like to it, explore i want it and then i told I, you no, some no, features no. that were coming no, and no, you no, went no, wow no 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 hey oh i don't think there was a wow no 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 there wasn't a wow i i was worried about <laughs> i i would need to check you said that you could bring data in from xpm and automatically automatically set up a structure correct okay and i said everything works beautifully in demos i would like to see it with with raw with live data it was i leave data. to catch a train to meet up with the very impressive people at bgl and all of a sudden i get onto the train no so i had no sooner that i got down to the steps than david's crowing on twitter about how i'm sold did, did this happen before we started the demo you said let's take a photo and put it on socials you instigated I was happy to share a photo about the demo. You claiming a sale on the- I didn't on claim the, a sale. I said the, closed one. Oh. And I, you are one. 
Uh, you're one. I know you're one. I know you're going to use this. Jeez, I tell you. You are. You're, I know you, you I've are. Never, I it's have never product. met someone who has put a cart, a sailed cart before the horse in their life. I guarantee you you have. You anyway, listeners, I guarantee you Anyway, have. listeners, that is you, a- You work with Wayne Schmidt, don't you? Massive. That's how I know it. That's how I can sense it. I can see it coming around the block. I get a- I get a Pavlovian yeah. response in the back of my <laughs> in the back of my hairs. Anyway, uh, listeners, uh, wonderful uh, big week in content. Please, if you see David uh, or I on the road, uh, come up and say hi. We love hearing from listeners. If you've got any content, feel free to share it with us. Otherwise, have an awesome week. See ya. Thanks again for listening to an episode of From the Trenches. David and I love to hear from listeners, so you can reach out if you've got feedback or story ideas, get in touch. I can be reached on Twitter at Paul Meissner underscore or on LinkedIn, Paul Meissner. I'm on Twitter at David Boyar, B-O-Y-A-R, on LinkedIn, David Boyar. From the Trenches.